This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. Morning, Texas. God bless Texas. Thank you. That's an okie. That's an okie saying that. God bless Texas. Uh, before I get started, I've got a couple things. Most of what I'm going to share this morning is coming out of uh, this book. Uh, you don't find a great marriage, you build one. Uh, nobody gets lucky and marries a nice person. There are no nice people. Everybody gets married and you realize, you know, about two weeks of the marriage, what did I do? <laughs> well, you married that and every nut and flake on the family tree comes with it. And they're going to come live with you for a while. Yes, they are. So this is a great book, though. You'll laugh, but it's just loaded with scripture. And then this is the single greatest book I've ever written. Uh, four kinds of kids. I should have written this 30 years ago. I had it in me 30 years ago. I just never put it in a book. So when the COVID thing hit you know, last year, we thought, well, let's get some books out. And so this is a Proverbs 1, the four kinds of kids, wise, simple, foolish, and scornful. Uh, wise kids live a long time. They're filthy, stinking rich. They bring honor to the family name. Nothing but good happens to wise kids. So I prayed it this morning. I'll pray it tonight, Father. I give you permission to teach my children to fear you. For the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, and with that wisdom comes long life, riches, and honor, Proverbs 3.16. So I told my kids, you better get your life together, because you're going to be here a while. I prayed, you're going to live long, yeah, long. Get your stuff together, and get your own stuff. <laughs> you're laughing, I'm very serious. I love my kids, and I've got the canceled checks to prove it. I love my kids, and, uh, uh, and so... You know, we birthed them, bathed them, taught them how to talk and walk, put them through private school, fixed their crooked teeth, got them a date for the prom, bought their first car, got them through college, uh, paid for their wedding and their honeymoon. But at every marriage of my kids, I held my hand out and I said, put your door key in my hand. They said, what? Put your door key in my hand and don't you ever come to my house unless I invite you. I'm very serious. I'm not joking. <laughs> I live way out in the country. I said, if you come to my house and you don't call, I will not open the door. I'm serious. Man, Mom and I, we got time for ourselves now. And so if you call, hey, Dad, I'd like to come out to see you. I said, good. Come on out. We'll be ready. I said, come on out. And when you come, you bring food. <laughs> I'm very serious. I'm not joking. I thought you can call my kids. You bring food and you leave the leftovers with me. And then you go home before it gets dark and you take your children with you. <laughs> I have seven grandkids that I love dearly, but not one of them has ever spent the night with me, nor will they ever. You're not going to pee in my bed. <laughs> You're not going to jump on me at three o'clock in the morning. You're not going to cry in the middle of the night. No, no, I've raised my children now. You get to raise yours. And it's just a biblical thing. Now, my wife Angel doesn't agree with anything I just said. Uh, her kids haven't dropped any babies yet, but they're getting ready to. And she said, Joe, they'll spend the night with us. They'll sleep in our bed. Then I'm going to get a motorhome put in the driveway. And I'll be, I'll be out in the motorhome. Anyhow, this is a great book. It's all biblical. It's out of Proverbs 1. The other three kinds of kids are foolish, uh, simple-minded, and scornful. Nothing good happens to those. Nothing. There are no good scriptures. And that's all this is the scriptures. So just read the first chapter and don't read the other three. 
and just pray the first chapter over your kids and it'll work really good. Common sense. Now, you can get all this in Proverbs and the Gideons will give you a Bible for free or you can get this in my book table and it's going to cost you $8. But it's in the Bible for free. But you pay a dollar and it's already condensed so you just get, it, get this. And so this thing will save your life uh, every day. I'll pray it when I go to sleep tonight. Father, I give you permission to teach my family to fear you for the fear of God's the beginning of wisdom with that wisdom is long life riches none. I pray this so much. People say, you believe that? Every time I say that, I believe it even more. And so I got great kids. And you know, we don't have perfect kids, but we got good ones. We've got good ones. There are no perfect children because there's no perfect parents. We're all deuces that fall down and get back up. The Bible says the righteous fall seven times a day, but they get back up. We're not the perfect people. We're the getting back up people. Every day you get to repent. Every day you get to forgive. People used to make fun of us. You go to church all the time. Every time the door is open. Every time. Every time. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Well, we don't do the Sunday night anymore. They stopped that. I said, yep. Yeah. Every time the door is open. So why? Well, I like the fellowship of God. I want to hang out with the saints. We are the most powerful thing on this planet, the body of Christ. We are what's happening. Now, the world's a mess. So don't, don't read the world stuff. Don't, you don't want to do that. It's just nothing good. I tell people, this book, <laughs> the words of this book and the people of God are going to last forever. So just rearrange your priorities. What's going to last forever? This and the people of God. So get your priorities in line with that. Whatever else you're thinking about is going to disappear one day. God says there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. These things eventually are going to pass away. Is it important? No, eventually it's going to burn up. So we'll just hang on what's going to last. Because we're going to live forever. People used to ask, said, does it bother you about getting old? I think I turned, yeah, she know, I turned 70 this year. And people asked, she said, does it bother you getting old? Said, no, I'm going to live forever. I'm going to live for stinking ever. There'll come a time I won't be able to count. How long have you been here? Forever. <laughs> How long are you going to be here? Forever. I'm going to live forever with God. And a new heaven, a new earth. And it's going to be, it's just wild. So, no, age doesn't bother me at all. I remember we had, uh, we had all the funerals at the family house when I was a kid. because We only had 750 people in town. We had it in Balmer. We did not have a funeral home. So, when somebody died, they brought the body to the house. And you shove the couch out of the way, roll the couch in, open up the lid. We would, we would sit up with the dead. It's a southern thing. And we'd bring fried chicken and baked beans, potato salad, and we'd sit up with dead and eat all night. So somewhere around midnight, your belly get full of food and your blood leaves your brain, goes to your belly. And then you start talking nasty about it. That no good north then but southbound, I'll tell you. And you talk bad about it till the sun came up and then you feel bad. Dear God, I'm sorry. And by the time the sun came up, you're ready to stick them in the ground, put them in the ground. And that helped the grieving process. Did you ever grieve? Dear Lord, no worse tired. I'm better got so much chicken. Stick them in the ground. I need a nap. <laughs> and it helped. It really did. So somebody needed to hear that. <laughs> Revelation chapter 2. Now, of all the books of the Bible, the only book that has this promise is Revelation. The Bible says in Revelation, blessed are those who hear and understand the words of this book. Now, when I used to get people saved, I'd make them go to the book of John, because that's what somebody did to me, read the book of John. I thought, well, no, after I went through it several times, no, no, let's start at the end. And so Angel and I, we've been married three and a half years, and we were first married, and 
She said, hey, do you want to watch an old movie? I said, sure. So we'd sit down and I'd say, how's this thing in? She said, well, I'm not going to tell you. I said, then I'm not going to watch it. <laughs> I don't watch the movie unless I know how it ends. I'm not going to run it. No, 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 I want to know how it ends. If you don't know how it ends, I'm not watching it. And so we fought about that for six months. And she realized, I like to watch happy movies. I don't watch sad movies and stupid movies and mean movies. I watch good stuff. It makes me smile. Uh, I got all John Wayne's movies, all of them. I don't watch you with Jimmy. He died in that movie. <laughs> I watched it one time. I'm not watching that movie again. You ready to hell? I don't care. I don't want to watch that. I want to look at something happy and something good. And so, so Angel and I, we, we could have a good understanding. Is this ain't good? Yes, it does. I will watch this. I'll watch what ends good. So Revelation, you need to start there. Everybody I get born again, what do I start? Revelation. You start the back of the book because it ends really good. And then that'll make one read the rest of it. Ooh, what, how'd it start? Well, go back to Genesis and we'll get you on the line. So Revelation chapter 2, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. He's writing to the seven churches, the seven churches. So Revelation chapter 2, verse 1. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Ephesus. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands. Verse 2. I know all the things that you do. I have seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. Well, now here's what he's talking. This is God talking. What did you notice? Well, I've seen your hard work and your patience. So God evidently likes hardworking people. He mentioned it right off. What do you like most about them? They work hard. God does not like lazy people. Whoa, that's a bumper sticker in Texas, by the way. <laughs> God likes patient people. Whoa. I know you don't tolerate evil people. What else do you like? He likes people that don't like evil people. We don't tolerate evil people. We don't tolerate that. Why? Because they'll multiply around you. How'd they get started? Well, you tolerated the first one. Don't do that. You have examined the claims of those who say they're apostles, but they are not. You have discovered that they are all liars. Oh. Liars don't make it into heaven, by the way. That's another passage in Revelation. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. Verse 4. But I have this complaint against you. What? I have this complaint against you. I thought you liked this. I do. I thought you're proud of us. I am. But I got something against you. You got to be kidding. What is it? I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. What? You've fallen out of love. You've fallen out of love. I had this couple one time. A guy's a great guy, uh, older guy, been married for a long time. His wife died. So he got remarried. He's an older guy. He marries this older, you know, Norman Rockwell painting. marries this young Cajun woman. She's spirit-filled. She's half his age. She's full of spit and vinegar. Well, they got married, and it wasn't going too good because he moved slow, and she moved like a rocket ship. Plus, she moved her mother in with him. <laughs> Anyhow, they came for council. So I met with them every Sunday after church. We had three Sunday morning services. I met them every Sunday after church for an hour, for almost a year. We talked, went through, and so we taped through the scriptures. And so we finally got it worked out. And I said, listen, you're different. You marry your opposite. That's a gift from God. You don't marry you. You marry your opposite. Opposites attract. 
And so we got it fixed up well. Three months, the things went great. And all of a sudden, the wife sticks her head in my door one Sunday after church. I need to let you know something, Joe. I said, well, what is it? Well, we're getting a divorce. What? Yes, we're getting a divorce. I appreciate everything you've done, but we're getting a divorce. Well, why? We've fallen out of love. You what? We've fallen out of love. Well, that's so sad. Well, how did, how did that happen? I don't know. We just fell out. Well, how did you fall in? What? Well, you weren't born next to each other. How'd you fall in? <laughs> well, he asked to go to coffee one day, and then we went to dinner, and we started dating, and we kissed a lot, and we got married. Oh. I said, listen, you can't fall out of love. Love's a choice. You can fall out of bed. You can fall off the couch. You can fall out of your truck. <laughs> you can fall off a cliff, but you can't fall out of love. Love's a choice. It's something you choose to do. For God so loved the world, he did something with no guarantee that we would love him back. Ooh, love's a powerful thing. And so, you know, we brought them in and uh, we got it settled. So uh, uh, what I shared with them that day is what I'm going to share with you right now. Uh, so I took them to Revelation. Here's three things you need to know. And he's talking to the greatest church, the most powerful church, the most blessed church. He said, but he's got something against me. He said, they've fallen out of love. What's it mean? Well, God said, you don't hang out with me anymore. We first got together, you sang to me and worshiped me. And we hung out and paid you tithe. Man, you volunteered. But where are you? Well, people get married and they fall out of love. I used to take my seniors to divorce court once a year. I had to get permission from the parents. So where are we going today? We're going to divorce court. We're going to sit in the balcony in Tulsa County Divorce Court and said, uh, you can't talk. You're not allowed to talk in it. What you're going to hear today are two people at one time before God and witnesses swore their undying loved one, I love you, I love you. And that's what you're going to hear today. And today you're going to hear every nasty four-letter word you have ever heard and some new ones you haven't heard spoke between two people at one time and swore their love to one another. What happened? Well, they fell out. I said, but that's not possible. And so every year when we go to divorce court, on the way back to school on the bus, I would look in my mirror and I look back on the bus and kids are, hey, I don't want to go steady anymore. Here, have your ring back. I'm not ready. No, no. Because they thought love was a Friday night date and a cheeseburger. Yeah, it goes deeper than that. He said, you don't love anymore or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me. Do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. Ooh, that gets scary. So I have three things. God in essence from the New Living Translation, uh, the New King James says it this way. I need you to remember from which you fell. What happened? Think back. Were you ever in love? Well, yes. When? When we first got married. What happened? We fell out. Well, you need to remember what it was like when you were in love. Number two, you need to repent that you've fallen out. Now God's talking here. What? Yeah, you fell out of love, you need to repent that you did. Then number three, you need to redo what you did when you were in love. So every couple I've ever counseled, because they changed the law in Oklahoma, used to I could counsel people. I have two degrees, but I don't have a counseling degree, so I'm not allowed to counsel, counsel couples anymore. I can see you for 30 minutes. So people call, hey Joe, can you, we have marriage problems, can you see us? I said, sure. I said, but I can only see you for 30 minutes. That's all. That's all it's allowed. I'll give you the first 15. I get the second 15. Now, the problem with that is everybody comes in because we're all Christians. They come in talking nice. It takes about 10 minutes to talk nasty. Well, you know. 
So about 10 minutes, they're yelling and talking about each other's mother. So I usually go, okay, time out. I get the next 15 minutes. And I'll take them right to Revelation chapter 2. You need to remember what it was like when you were in love. You need to repent to one another right now face to face that you've fallen out. You need to redo what you did when you were in love. What did you do? Well, I don't well, I can't remember. What did you do? Well, we go out and on a date every now and then. When's the last time you've been on a date? Eight years ago. Well, that's a problem. When's the last time you went for a cup of coffee? You went to dinner. You need to start dating one another. I met a guy one time in Kentucky. He came to one of my seminars. He said, you know, I, I fall in love with my wife six or seven times a year. Been married 30-something years. I said, what? I fall in love with my wife six or seven times every year. We have to learn to fall in love all over again. I said, that is a genius of an idea. Love something you do, not something you feel. Well, y'all know I love you. They don't. You have to tell them, gentlemen. <laughs> I pay for the stove donut. That won't count. No. I don't care how much money you make. You got to show it. Like how? I don't know. Back rub, foot rub, or something. Wash some dishes. Do some laundry. Mow some grass. Run the vacuum cleaner. Do something. Thank you, lady, for that hand. Appreciate you. God bless. You. <laughs> Love's what you do, not what you feel. Oh, that was deep. So, we have this process. Remember, repent, and redo. And that'll save your marriage. So that's pretty much all I got to say. Well, I'll give you a little bit more. So I still got 20 minutes. <laughs> you think I'm making this up? Uh, I like this. This is a great passage of scripture. Uh, having to do with, you know, loving somebody. Judges chapter seven. This is about Gideon. Gideon's a great story. And uh, I taught chapel in this Christian school for uh, 10 years. 171 days a year, I taught a Bible story every day. And so I got a good Bible story book. And I went from Genesis to Revelation 10 times in 10 years. People said, where'd you learn the Bible? Teaching chapel at a school. Did you not learn Bible school? Not really. I learned the Bible teaching it to a chapel, you know, 171 days a year. I went through the Bible 10 times, went from Genesis to Revelation 10 times in 10 years. What'd you learn? I learned that God is good and the devil's bad and people are stupid. <laughs> well, that's a whole degree right there. So, so I'm here in, uh, in Judges chapter seven, it's the story of Gideon. Now, Gideon's, uh, you know, you read back in the beginning of the story, Gideon was a wimp hiding in a hole. Uh, one day, uh, the enemy came, and uh, uh, their neighboring enemy, and they brought their cattle to mingle with their Jews' cattle. And they looked at, what's going on? Well, they're mingling our cattle, uh, with their cattle with our cattle, eating our grass. What are we going to do? Well, they'll probably go away, leave them alone. A week later, they brought their sheep in to mingle their sheep. What are they doing with their sheep's eating the grass? Our sheep are eating. What'd you do? Nothing. They'll go away. Then one day they knocked on the door. They said, hey, we want your house, move out. I'm not making this up. And so all the Israelis left their homes and moved into the hills and the caves. So Gideon's in the cave with his family because they asked him to move because they're afraid they won't do anything. And he's, he's in a hole ground stomping on some wheat trying to make a flour to make a biscuit to eat so he doesn't starve to death. Well, an angel comes out of heaven and lands right next to Gideon and says to him, hello, you mighty men of courage. And gets it, whoo, man, you made a wrong turn coming out of heaven. <laughs> there are nobody men that shh, go away, I'm hiding. The angel says again, hello, you mighty men of courage. Gideon starts to argue, man, you made a wrong turn. And so 
the angel called getting what he was going to become, not what he was. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the weak stand strong. Let the poor stand Call those things that be not as though they are. You've got to start calling people what they're going to be. My husband's an idiot. Well, you're going to have that. That's not going to go good. <laughs> My wife's a wicked witch. No, that won't go good. No. You've got to start saying what God says. I'm in love. I love my spouse. All I think is about sucking the lips off their face. I'm a lip-sucking machine. Lord, bless my spouse. Give them a great day. Take blindness from their mind. Lighten the eyes of understanding. Bring labors into their life to help strike iron with them. Prosper them today, Father. Give them divine favor. Let them be happy. I want a happy spouse. Because if you're not praying that, it's not happening. Anyway, I'll have to shorten this up. Uh, Gideon kind of grows up, and now he realizes we're going to have to do something with the enemy, so he makes a call in the country. Bring the troops together. Well, 32,000 men showed up. Now, the enemy has 400,000. 400,000. There's three different groups of people, and they're down in the valley. So Gideon gets 32,000. He said, whoa. So God shows up and says, hey, hey, Gideon. Yes, sir. Because he's trying to obey God. You got too many men. Do what? Did you count that other bunch? Yeah, you got too many men. Ask how many are afraid. And if they're afraid, tell them to go home. So, okay. How many of you guys are scared? 22,000 hands went up. Okay, y'all can go home. <laughs> he's got 10,000 left. And he's thinking, what are you doing? Yeah, why, why? And God says, you still got too many men. You gotta be kidding. Take them down the river, get a drink of water, and I'll show you which ones you're going to keep. The ones that have been down on all fours and suck water with their face, you don't want them. You want the ones that have been down on one knee and scoop water with their hand and keep their heads up looking. Well, only 300 did that. So he sent 9,700 home. He said, I got 300 left. It's all you need, dear God. <laughs> what else? Get rid of your swords. Well, praise God. <laughs> all you need is a torch, a pitcher, and a trumpet. Yeah, buddy, this is going to be good. <laughs> so he's thinking that now. What am I? He's obeying God, though. He is. He's obeying. All of a sudden, he says, listen, I, I'm going to help you. I know you're scared. Sneak down to the enemy's tent and listen to them talk. Gideon sneaks down that night. He's listening to two guys in the tent talk. He said, you know, you know, I think God's with these people. You know, you remember what happened to the gypsies. They're all drowned. You do not want to mess with these people. I don't think it's going to go good tomorrow. And so Gideon gets encouraged, comes back up, hey, I think it's going to go good. So God says, okay, men, not put 100 on this hillside, 100 there, 100 over here. At midnight, I want you to break that picture and let those torches light up. Then everybody blow your horn. <laughs> and when they did that, everybody in the camp went nuts. They came out and they're, oh my goodness, we're surrounded. We're surrounded. And so they began to run, trying to escape and to run into one another. They got mad, they started stabbing one another. They're killing each other. And they just, keep blowing that horn, boys. So the ones that didn't die, uh, Gideon got some other volunteers. They chased them, and they finally killed them all off. Then the story. Now, what you need to understand is that God is a show-off. God loves to show off. 
God loves to find weak people and be strong in them. Poor people, be rich in them. God's not looking for smart people. He can't use them. I'm just telling you. It's like, whoa. Jesus said, I've been sent to the simple-minded. Now, here you go, God, right here. Start with me. Because God wants to show off. And so, now I'm an educator, and I believe in education, and I got two degrees, and I believe in that, but uh, I collected biographies for years for my students, and I collected 1,206 biographies in 10 years, and I would read it in one class, 50 minutes every day to my seniors. I just read biographies, short biographies of people who became millionaires and billionaires but never finished high school. Thomas Edison kicked out of school in the fourth grade. Teacher told him he was too stupid to learn anything. Henry Ford went bankrupt twice. He was a watchmaker trying to build a car in his garage. Went bankrupt twice trying to do that. Vince, they became good friends, by the way. By the way, the light bulb thing worked, you know, just. <laughs> Edison has over a thousand patents to his name. He and Henry Ford became best friends. They built a railroad track from Detroit, Michigan to Naples, Florida because they liked Naples. So they built their own train track. Their own train track. You know, their own track. Who's on this track? Just us. We used it for vacation. <laughs> so I got two minutes to give you this story. One of the guys I collected was Joe Girard, the greatest salesman in the world. Joe Girard was born in Detroit in a poverty part of town that was nasty. His dad was a drunk alcoholic that beat him and his mom. At age nine, uh, Girard would come home, eat dinner real quick, grab a shoeshine box and run downtown to the bars because the people at the bars had money. So he'd shine shoes to the people in the bar. Then he realized something. He started running a paper route at 5.30 in the morning as well as doing the thing in the evening. So he had two jobs. Well, he, the paper said, hey, for every new customer you can get for advertising, we'll give you a case of Coca-Cola. He couldn't afford word Coca-Cola. So he started collecting Coca-Colas. And he had an empty old wooden building behind his house. I'm not making this up. You can Google it. He had that wooden building full of cases of Coca-Colas. Well, what he did, he started selling them to the neighborhood kids for like three cents a bottle. So he's getting them for free, he's still making money. He was an entrepreneur's entrepreneur. And then eventually he went in the army, uh, he had an accident, broke his back, and they put him back together, but they had the discharge, honorable discharge. So he, he doesn't have a high school education. His back's broke, he hardly get a good job. And so he struggled from one job to another, and they finally gets, he, his wife comes and says, we have no food. The kids are hungry, I'm hungry, we have no food. I got to do something. So he goes down to local car dealership. He said, hey, I need a job. And he said, we're not hiring. It's February. We don't sell cars in February. I said, listen, I'll sell anything. Just, just, if I sell a car, you can pay me. Don't, you don't have to pay me. So they hired him that day, and he sold a car that evening. So he went to those. Hey, can I borrow $10? So he took a $10 advance of the money, went home, bought some groceries, went home, fed his family. Well, the next month, he sold 28 cars. And the, the other salesman at the dealership got mad, said, you got to fire the guy. He's going to make us look bad. And the owner fired him for selling too many cars. He went to two other companies selling cars, Chevrolet dealerships, and he got fired again because he wouldn't wait his turn. So finally, a guy said, okay, I don't care what you do. You sell cars, you stay forever. And so he started a car selling business. And what he did was, he was real smart. He'd go to the, the white pages of the if nobody's in the building buying a car, he'd go to the white pages of the phone book and he'd just start an aid. He'd go down. He'd call, hey, hey, Joe Girard down to Chevrolet Place and wanted to know your car just came in. I didn't order a car. You didn't order a car? Do you need a car? <laughs> I'm not making this up. This is a true story. Nine out of 10 people would hang up on him. One out of 10 said, well, I'm thinking about getting one in October. Well, uh, 
my name's Joe Girard. Can I send you something every month just to try to remind you? Sure. And so what he did, he took white papers from the copy machine and he would fold it. And so every day he'd write, he'd write, uh, Happy New Year, Joe Girard. Fold it over, put a stamp on it. February, Happy Valentine's, Joe Girard. Put a stamp on it. Happy St. Patrick's. It's just paper with a two-cent stamp. And he'd mail that stuff. Well, all of a sudden people get to know him. And so then he bought season tickets to all the professional teams. And so if somebody scored a touchdown, he'd stand up and stand and he'd throw, he had business cards printed up. He'd throw business cards there. Woo, they look like confetti. And he said, hey, what is this? Hey, Joe Girard, you need a car? Come see me. And so people began to come to see him. And they wanted to see him. When people came a lot, they asked specifically for Joe Girard. Well, this is a true story. I'll close with this. In uh, 13 years, he sold 13,000 cars, an average of six a day. Mm. On his best day, he sold 18. His best month, he sold 1,425. By himself, he sold more cars than 95% of the dealerships in the United States of America. He's a school dropout with a broke back. Whoa. I don't need to read the rest of it. You get the point. I would collect those stories from my kids at school. I don't hear anybody give some thumb-sucking excuse. Well, hard, hard. My dad left my mama. My mommy didn't love me. Coach wouldn't play me. Teacher wouldn't pass me. My dog bit me. The Bible says, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. It's not my IQ, it's not my GPA, it's who I know and who knows me. My name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. There's so many angels around me, you can't count them. God orders my steps, directs my paths, guides all truth. So don't read, think, feed, and watch stupid. Guard your heart and feed on something good. Amen. Let's stand up. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the truth of your word that sets us free and keeps us free. We are thankful to be alive in the last days, the greatest days of human history. It is no accident that we're here. So Father, put us in the belly button of your will in the last days. Don't leave us on the sidelines. Don't let us get distracted. Let us focus on you and focus on helping other people. You said, bless are those, Father, give their lives away. So Father, help us every day we get up to find somebody to help. Find some thirsty person to give water to a hungry person to give food to, help an orphan, help a widow, visit somebody in prison, visit a sick person, nurse them back down. Father, help us to be the blessing we're called to be, not get sidetracked in our own life. We're covered, Father. You got us covered. Let us focus on other people. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed, just for 60 seconds, nobody moving, nobody looking, one minute. Two questions. Are you here today? Said, Joe, I do not know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I have never, ever asked him into my heart. But God's been dealing with me, and I'd like to do something about that today. If that's you, I'd like to pray a 30-second prayer over you right out of the book of Romans. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to call you forward. I'm simply going to ask you, if that's you, in just a few seconds, to raise your hand, wave it at me, put it right back down. If you're willing to do that, God in heaven will save you right where you stand. Old things will pass away. All things will become new. God will make a new creature in Christ. Or perhaps you answer, Joe, 
I'm saved, but I haven't been living for God, lady, but I've been stirred. I'm ready to get serious with Jesus. Well, if that's you, you can pray the exact same prayer. We're going to pray with these other people. And God in heaven will forgive you every sin you have ever committed in a moment of time. He will take your sin as far as the east is from the west, put it in the depths of the sea. There'll be no record of your sin in heaven, and God will make the devil pay back seven times whatever he stole from you. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, you say, Joe, that's me. I need to get born again today. Or Joe, that's me. I want to rededicate my life. If that's you, neither count. Would you simply get your hand up? Wave it at me real good and put it right back down. Joe, pray for me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you there. Thank you there. Thank you over there. Anyone else? Anyone else? Thank you there. Yes, saw your hand right there. Anyone else? All right. Thank you. Yes. Hands down, heads bowed, and eyes closed. Here's what we're going to do. Those of you that raised your hands, we're going to pray with you, and God's going to do the two greatest miracles he can do. He's going to save souls and forgive sins. So people, let's help them pray. Everybody in here say this after me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I do believe he is your son. He died for me and you raised him from the dead. I ask him now, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me. Forgive me of my sin. I receive you by faith with thanksgiving in Jesus' name. Now, Father, for those hands that went up for the first time ever or as a simple reaffirmation of their faith in you, according to your holy word and their obedience as of right now, they are cleansed, blood-bought children of God. Jesus Christ is their Lord. The devil is not their Lord anymore. They're your sheep. You're their shepherd. They will hear your voice, the voice of a stranger they will not follow. As they lead to, they surround the divine favor. And Father, bring godly friends into their life that will strike iron and cause them to grow and become all you want them to be. We thank you for them in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. give the Lord a hand clap, Pastor. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.